5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. We are live on a Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern. Today is October 23rd. A lot to talk about tonight. Finally starting to see the true identities of some of these football teams that we've been skeptical about, we've been watching, and there's still a couple of teams out there we want to talk about tonight that are still in the polls in the top ten that I'm just sitting there scratching my head. Three teams that I know are not top ten teams that we'll discuss. We'll get Jonathan's take on it, the panels, whoever's here. Talk about both the AP and coaches poll and see LSU and Auburn making some some moves up. Nebraska. We'll talk about Nebraska. How good are they? And how long is it going to be before we find out? So, lots of thanks for joining us tonight. A lot of football going on in the NFL today. Nothing surprising too much. The NFL has just become um, just not as exciting as in years past. Maybe it's due to my team not being as good, but um, with the presidential election coming up and all the politics going on, numbers are down. But also the quality of play is down in the NFL. We'll talk about that. The Vikings get the first loss of the year at Philadelphia, 21-10. to 10. A lot of college football games we're going to be going over. So if you're in the studio and you want to talk, press 1 so I'll know when to bring you on. But for right now, we're going to go ahead and do the intro to the show to discuss what we're going to be talking about. A lot of changes, uh, shakeups going on. How did Ohio State, we're going to talk about, lose to an unranked team and then only fall four places? And the team that beat them was unranked and still is unranked. So when I go to the new poll, that team that beat Ohio State, the rank in the AP 24th, I'm sorry. Coaches didn't rank them, but come on. Penn State, um, Ohio State drops to sixth in the, in the AP and eight in the coaches. I, I just don't get it, guys. It tells me that there's a lot of favoritism going on right now. When it comes to polls, people that preseason had a team at a certain level, they hate to drop them because, you know what, it makes them look wrong, makes them look bad. And there's nothing wrong with being wrong. You're going to be wrong from time to time in college football. It happens. A lot of people have Bama uh, where they are now, and that's great and all. doesn't mean they'll end there, but a lot of people took Ohio State to be in that playoff and – they want to make sure they're right. It's just human nature, but come on. Ohio State at six after losing to Penn State. I mean, this is Jerry Sandusky University here beating Ohio State, and they fall to only number six. Had that been Auburn last night lose to Arkansas, 
I think Auburn was 21st. That will drop to 50 with a loss uh, to Arkansas. Just don't get it. And let's welcome Quinn to the show. Quinn, how you doing, buddy? Hey. Hello. What you up to, buddy? Not much. Just relax. Uh... Well, well, thoughts real quick. What do you think of Ohio State only dropping four places in the polls? Is that not absurd? I would understand if they lost to, to Michigan or someone uh, on the but Penn State. They only dropped four places in the polls. That's that's concerning to me. That's very concerning. I think A and M dropped. Uh, what were they about fifth? And they dropped four places. And they lost to number one on the road. Ohio State loses and drops four places. I, I just don't understand it, Quinn. This Big Ten mentality, the the homerism, if you, if you will, and then I just don't understand. You know. You know, if at the end of the year a nine and two Auburn team beats Alabama number one, you know Auburn's not going above Alabama, don't you? You've already accepted that in your mind, probably. They're not going to drop these top teams down much with a loss. Uh, if Auburn beats Alabama the last game of the season and they're at nine and two, uh, ten, Auburn should go ahead of Alabama. No, they won't, though. There's no way. There is no way that they'll go ahead of yeah. Alabama. Remember, no, there's not a chance. Now, if they win the SEC championship, they may, if they made it. But, no, Alabama is only – remember, it's only one loss for Bama at that time. But we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. What we're focusing yeah. on here is Nebraska at Nebraska, number seven. I just – I can't imagine a time where – Anybody with any common sense would put Nebraska in a top ten poll of any kind. Nebraska's a, maybe a top fifteen at best, and if they're lucky to be at fifteen, uh, I'm looking at teams in the poll right now. Let me name eleven through fifteen that that will beat Nebraska: Wisconsin, Florida State, Boise State, Florida, and Auburn. All of those would beat Nebraska. Let's go: Oklahoma, Utah, Tennessee, LSU, Western Michigan. That's through twenty. All would beat Nebraska. Now, you get down to north 21 through 25, maybe Nebraska could win a couple of those games. But there's a team that's very overrated, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be exposed the next couple of weeks. What do you think about Nebraska getting seventh in the polls? Yeah, well, I think they're there because they've been winning. So, yeah, but yeah, I think they lose the next two weeks to Wisconsin and well, you Ohio State. You haven't played anybody. Are the rankings? Are the rankings about who you think should, who the best teams are in the country, or who's winning? Which one is it? I mean, because anybody can win a game with this schedule: Fresno State, Wyoming, Oregon, Northwestern, Illinois, Indiana, and Purdue. All seven of those teams, honestly, they suck right now. And now they play at Wisconsin, at Ohio State. They're going to lose those two. They'll probably lose to Minnesota, probably. I don't know. They may beat Minnesota, Maryland, and at Iowa. That's a weak schedule. You play two games on your schedule, and you've got to be number seven because you're undefeated right now. If if I'll put this this way, if Kentucky – no, I'll do something even more. If Arkansas played that schedule right there, they would be 7-0. and oh. Is Arkansas the seventh-best team in the country, Quinn? 
No, but then should Michigan be as high as they are? Because they nope. haven't played a tough schedule. So exactly. does that go so does so does that go for them too? Do you think Michigan shouldn't be second? I'm with you. I I don't think I don't think they should be. They haven't done anything to warrant a second place. And and when uh, the committee okay. comes out when when the committee comes out and places their polls, well, and the only thing Michigan did play Wisconsin and the ugliest oh, games yeah, they I've did. seen uh, the three the three to two game, but still Hawaii, Central Florida. They did beat a good Colorado team now, forty five twenty eight. Yeah. Penn State. See see they beat Penn State by thirty nine points. And Ohio State lost to them. They beat a good Wisconsin team fourteen to seven. They beat Rutgers on the road seventy eight to nothing. And then they beat Illinois. So I can argue Michigan yeah. a little more because I, I really the eye test to me is what it's about. I watch Nebraska play. Yeah. They suck. They suck. Yeah. Okay. I watch Michigan play. They're good. I mean, but no, Michigan hasn't earned a right to be number two. I would have to give that to Clemson in my poll. I have Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and Louisville. I have Louisville ahead of Washington right now because I, I really believe Louisville went a uh, night game on the road at Clemson. I'm giving them credit for playing that game. They could have easily won it, and I think they're they look unstoppable at times to me. Where Washington's going to get a chance, they're going to get a chance, Quinn, to yeah. to show us who they are. Unless they beat Rutgers, great. They beat Idaho, great. They beat Presbyterian, great. They beat Arizona by a touchdown in overtime, great. They beat a shitty Stanford team, great. You beat Oregon, great. You beat Oregon State. You haven't beaten anybody, dude. I mean, Washington's got to <laughs> yeah. play at Utah. They'll they'll beat Utah, but they're going to slip up. Washington State's looking like a – I think Washington State, USC, or Utah could get them, but Washington's a little overrated, guys. And if you don't think so, then you're smoking something because I've watched them play. They're a good football team. They're a good team. Yeah. But I just don't think they're – I just don't think they're – uh, playoff-worthy team just yet. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what we saw yesterday in college football. Uh, Friday night, Oregon played a game, and I think I think Cal just scored another touchdown, Quinn. This is what we're talking <laughs> right now. Yeah. He scored. I'm going to bring on Jason Humphrey real quick. Jason, your Oregon Ducks, I mean, they you know they, they, they gave up 50-plus again, but how are you feeling today about it? Uh, am I on? Yeah, you're on, buddy. You're on live. Uh, um, there's a little, a little bit of emotion. Um, second quarter, I was carding for my of its head. Um, I'm really proud of Oregon for fighting back and having an opportunity to win that ball game. Um, I, I thought the true freshman quarterback played great. One I had that pick to fill the game, but outside of that, defense can't give up 31 in the first half. You know, you fall behind and yeah. you, you spend the whole second half coming back, and um, that's that's not it. Yeah, that's better days in Oregon, better days in Oregon coming up, hopefully. In the near future, I, I can't know if that's Jonathan in the studio or not. He hadn't pressed number one, so I'm not bringing anybody on unless I see that blue dot by their name. 
So I know it's not been working as good. So Jonathan, if that's you or Cuervo, whoever you are, I can't remember your numbers, press number one and we'll get you on. Um, Big time action last night or yesterday, Alabama took care of A&M. Quinn, I know everybody in the world thinks Alabama's unbeatable. And the more I watch them play, they, they are a very good football team defensively. I still think that secondary can be had. But I'm starting to worry about their quarterback hurts with the ability to throw the ball down the field. I think against LSU and Auburn, if that doesn't get approved, well, you, you could have some competitive games coming up in the future. What do you think about A&M? I, I think they, they crumble right now. I think A&M, looking at their schedule, Quinn, with uh, I think they have New Mexico State. They play at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, uh, UTSA, and LSU. I could see I could see A&M losing two or three games this year. Yeah, this is a real test. Uh, in the past, uh, this is when they crumble is after the Bama game. So, so, so we'll see how someone does. But, but yeah, I, I could really see them starting to crumble here. Um, yeah, well, I, yeah. Watched, I watched a team that was afraid last night when I watched that game. They they looked afraid to me. They didn't seem confident. They seemed, and every year they play Alabama. The head game's over. I mean, Alabama gets in their head and and they can't do anything. Credit Alabama, first of all. You got to credit them for winning that game by 19. But I just think A and M shot themselves in the foot. And and I'm here again. I watched that game and I saw the the way it started. Uh, Speedy Noel gets targeted. No flag. No ejection. No nothing. But A and M. Uh, something close to get the flag and get some ejection, man. If you watch Alabama football, and this is just the truth, this is just the truth talking. They get away, Quinn, with a lot of calls that other teams don't, and I just, I don't like yeah. that. I, I want everything to be on a, the even playing field, and I feel like sometimes when you watch Bama, it's not. Yeah. Well, are you surprised? <laughs> I'm not. So I mean, I mean, but it shouldn't be like that. There should be no favorites there should be nobody getting any calls it should be you call the game the way it's supposed to be played if if you watched Auburn and Arkansas last night you noticed those referees they wanted Arkansas to win they were spotting balls everywhere I mean I mean they were not calling holding calls but yeah I I don't I can go back and watch the tape over and over again yeah I don't know how many times that Quit interrupting me, please. <laughs> I saw six holds in the game that I that I can write down and tell you the time, and the, I'm not going to go through it right now. Six times, Quinn, there was a blatant hold right in front of the official that was never called in the Auburn-Arkansas game. Yeah. It was bad. I saw and the two offsides of- penalties, the two offsides penalties um, were, yeah. were crap against Auburn there in that game that they called it. One of them negated an interception, which that's fine. We ran a 76-yard touchdown afterwards. But I just the officiating in the SEC is terrible. I've watched it all over the country. And when I watch SEC football, it's the worst. Every game that I watch, the officials get worse. Yeah, it's 
It's bad. Yeah, that was weird when they called that offsides on Lawson and they showed the replay and he was just in a stance where he was supposed to be, didn't even move, and the ref said it was offsides. Like, <laughs> what were you looking at? Yeah, and it's, it's been like that ever since I've been an Auburn fan. My whole life it's been that kind of officiating, and that's what – that's what it's going to be like the rest of the season, you know. Going to Ole Miss, we got to fight the officials. We got to fight. We got to fight the fans and Ole Miss. I mean, it's a, it's tough. Last night's win, though. If you look at Auburn, fifty-six to three over Arkansas. Yeah. Quinn, I told you it was going to be a blowout. I didn't know it was going to be fifty-three point blowout, but you got to be impressed with Auburn right now. Looking at them defensively, the way they held Arkansas to twenty-five yards rushing probably 200 yards total offense, and Auburn with six, over 600-plus yards to 500-and-something rushing. That's just amazing at this offense, what it's doing right now. Yeah, ever ever since ever since Gus let uh, Rhett get, take full control of offense, it's taken off, uh, it's taken off ever since. And I don't see I don't, I, I don't see it slowing down. Yeah, I don't think that's the reason. I mean, that's I mean, Gus Malzahn still that's his offense, but I think it's the yeah. offensive line ever since ever since Golston got moved to center, and uh, James went to left tackle. That's where. And uh, and I'll tell you this: there's a big part of this offense that people don't talk about. Quinn is Chandler Cox, the fullback. Yeah, I don't think people give him enough credit for what he does on that field. If you watch last night, he was one of the main reasons Auburn was springing those runs, but let's credit another group, the wide receiver group, for blocking downfield. It was just a textbook. That's the best Auburn offense I've seen since the SEC championship game back in 2013. That's, that's scary. I didn't think I would ever see a, an offense like that again, but to see it without a dual threat quarterback is what surprises me the most. Yeah, and then uh, they even mix in some of that zone read with Sean. He, like I said, he's deceptive, deceptively fast. He's not as fast as a Cam Newton or anyone like that, but he he's faster than most people think. On that like sixty yard run he had or whatever, he was moving pretty yeah. well. Yeah, but you got to be able to do that consistently. Well, you don't have to do it consistently. You just have to keep it in the mind of the defense that you can do it. And Sean White only threw yeah. the ball 11 times last night. He looked terrible sometimes. And his, some of his throws were were god-awful. Uh, I still think John Franklin will be used in this offense as the season progresses to to help against defenses that we're about to face that are better than what we played last night. For instance, Alabama, Ole Miss. Ole Miss's defense is garbage against the run. I don't think we need – we just need to play good football and we'll win that game. But they're 100 – I think they're 105th in the nation in rushing defense. That was going into the ninth. Last night and Fournette tore them up. We'll talk about that game. But, I mean, think about Arkansas. How do you – first play of the game, how do you lose the edge on the first play of the game to Auburn and get up a 76-yard touchdown run right out of the gate? 
I think uh, I think the announcer said it best. They they thought they were gonna go with Petway right up the middle, and they and they gave it to Stove, and they had no one on the edge. <laughs> they were expecting a well, rush right up the middle. Well, if you notice in that Auburn came out in the shotgun, and and they adjusted. You got to look at tendencies, and one thing Gus Malzahn is good at doing is making adjustments after a bye week. And so Arkansas studied six games of tendencies for Auburn, and it's in the shotgun, handing it off to Petaway or, or maybe even throwing the ball a little bit. They were ready for that. What they weren't ready for is Sean White coming right under center and handing the ball off to a guy that really hadn't touched it much all year, a freshman, <laughs> and taking it 76 <laughs> yards to the house. And that got me excited. When I saw that, I knew that it's on because – I've been predicting a blowout, and for all you people out there, uh, Quinn, you've read the Facebook post, people giving me hell about my SEC rankings last week. When I put Auburn ahead of Arkansas, it was for a reason. It was Everybody's like, oh, Arkansas is so good. They're about to peak. Oh, there's no way Auburn's going to win. Well, they did, and they blew them out. So now what do you, what do you think of my rankings, people? What do you think? You think I just talked to be talking? It's just it's crazy. And I put A&M ahead of Auburn this week, Quinn, because A&M beat us. But if Auburn beats Ole Miss and A&M doesn't look good in the next couple of weeks, Auburn may slide up ahead of them in the power rankings. It's not just about records sometimes and head-to-head. But people said LSU should be ahead of Auburn. I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. And let's bring in the 239 area code. Is this Jonathan or Cuervo? Yeah, hey, Brian. Oh, it's you, Jonathan. What the hell? Where have you been, man? <laughs> I uh, I got stuck in some nasty traffic in Tampa, and I didn't want to call in while driving. Oh, look at you. Respectful. I like that. I like that. That's a good quality to have. Well, what did you think last night of the Auburn Tigers, man? Was that not a – you know, I got ragged last week, Jonathan, because I put Auburn third in the SEC in the power rankings and had them ahead of Arkansas, and people didn't like that. They cried at me and everything. What are those people saying right now? <laughs> you know, if they're thinking what I'm thinking, they're looking at that game going, that was a Class A whooping. Uh, that was a great performance by the Auburn offense. Hats off to the offensive line uh, and, uh, all, and all the running backs. They did a phenomenal job. You know, Sean didn't have to throw the ball, and that was the nice thing. This offense is gelling at its finest, you know, I mean, Arkansas, you know, this was the fourth game of a tough stretch, you know, A&M, Bama, Ole Miss, and uh, Auburn. But that doesn't excuse the fact that they got blown off the field. It was an amazing performance by the Tigers last night. And, um, you know, like I've been saying, this is a team to keep an eye on. They're very, very, very dangerous. Yeah, and they, they run the ball. The offensive line is the key. Is the key to one of the, you know, when I, when I look at it, the offensive line was, the main reason. I'm still getting a little noise from your phone, Jonathan. I don't know if it's uh, let me try to turn it off just a second. Yeah, it's your phone. Could you call right back in see if we can get a better connection? I want to bring you back home full time, but I want to make sure we're good to go. Do you notice the blocking up front on the offensive line and blocking downfield by receivers? And uh, it's just Quinn, I muted you to try your phone. Um, to see if it was your horse, it wasn't. Um, I just was more impressed with the defense in this game, Jonathan. My the defense of Auburn. Auburn. 
No, you're good. Uh, Jonathan, the defense of Auburn, what impressed me was holding Arkansas to 25 yards rushing and 200 yards of offense, and that's that's hard to do. And I know, like you said, maybe they're tired. Well, at this time of year, everybody's tired. Usually that would show up in the fourth quarter of a game. Auburn would pull away, not in the first play of the game. Auburn dominated that game from the first snap until the last snap, and that's a true – that's the first full performance I've seen out of Auburn in years. And if that's what they continue to do, I mean, there's no telling what this team's capable of the rest of the season. I agree 100%. And I've been telling people, uh, you know, ever since uh, that, uh, that LSU game, when it became extremely prevalent to me that Auburn has the best defense in this conference. Uh, from their, their defensive line gets active, they're nasty, they hold their own. The linebackers uh, are they're well coached to where they actually know their assignment, and that secondary is playing amazing. I mean, they played a team in Arkansas that really can't run the ball, so you know they're going to throw the ball a lot. And they've had a lot of success doing it, and Auburn just shuts them down every way possible. I, I, Auburn right now, that defense I think could be one of is possibly one of the best in the nation. Definitely one of the five best I've seen this year. I'm extremely impressed with what everything they've been doing, how they, Miles Vaughn was able to turn this season around when it looked like it might start slipping away after that loss to a Yeah, I think the movements up front he made, you know, like to be able to to run the football is key. You know, you have to run. And, and what, what's amazing to me is they're doing it without a dual-threat quarterback. Sean White is sneaky, like Quinn said. He can't break off a run or two, but – you don't need a great quarterback right now. What you need somebody is smart. And one thing that people don't realize, Carryon Johnson hasn't played the last two games, Jonathan. And this team, Petway, looks like the best running back on this team now. I thought Carryon was, but sometimes when you get injured, you get exposed a little bit that there's somebody behind you that's better. This is a backup fullback from last year. He's a sophomore. And this guy looks like one of the best running backs in the country right now. <laughs> Well, when you're running behind an offensive line that's gelling as well as they are, I think a lot of people can look good. And there's no doubt about it, uh, Auburn does a really good job of bringing in running backs and developing them. That has definitely been something that they've been able to do under Gus. Whether it was Peyton Barber or, jo- or, or Robinson or uh, um, Trey Mason. You know, they're always – Michael Dyer, they've always been able to get running backs going and, and get them to perform. And, of course, it starts with the front. But when you get talented guys – and you can actually teach them to utilize their vision, utilize the cutback. It's huge. And I, I, I give my hats off to this coaching staff. I think they've done a magnificent job um, with everything they've done since that A&M game. They've completely fixed whatever holes they had offensively since then. You know, the moves they made on the offensive line and have made the offensive line better. What they've done been able to get the scheme going. You know, where, like you guys know, like saying, Sean takes off sometimes and doesn't have to. But teams still worry about him running because, you know, usually they wouldn't account for him. Now they have to account for him still. You know, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. I love what I saw from Auburn. I'm really excited uh, to see them uh, play Ole Miss this week and when they play um, uh, Alabama. I'm, I, I really think Auburn well, is a dangerous team and everybody should be nervous. Well, well, you know, a couple weeks ago, Ole Miss was a 10-point favorite over Auburn. Last week it went, it was like a 4 this week it was, I think, open the early, early line opened up Ole Miss 1. Now it's an Auburn favorite 3. Um, 
What do you think of this psyche of the Ole Miss team right now after losing their fourth game? How much fight will they have left against Auburn? That's another thing that here's a team. I don't think they've had a bye week yet. If they have, I can't remember. But uh, I think Ole Miss could be imploding. They were fighting with each other on the sidelines last night. I think next week is a true test for Auburn. If they can beat Ole Miss on the road, and before they play Vanderbilt and Georgia, I think they legitimately have a shot to go into the Iron Bowl with a chance to take the West. That Ole Miss game's tricky, but it depends on the mindset of Ole Miss. What do you think about Ole Miss right now? Well, it's like I said last week. I felt that uh, Ole Miss was in more of a panic and uh, mode than anything. Um, we saw with the game last night that defense is still soft. Leonard Fournette. Uh, set the school rushing record for yards in a game on 16 carries in his first game back. And you could tell he wasn't 100% healthy. And, and that just tells you how really how talented he is. He's an amazing football player. But this Ole Miss team, their offense looks like it's clicking, and then it shuts down. And I'm starting to think that's coaching. I think that's bad coaching. It's like I've been saying, I think both the coaches in the state of Mississippi are overrated, and they both get way too much love. Um, and, you know, I think Ole Miss right now, they're going to, you know, you hate to hear it lose the team. Coaches hate hearing that. They don't believe it's true. But I think he's going to lose this team. And I think at this point, it's about making a bowl game and beating Mississippi State. So if you can beat Mississippi State, finish 6-6, six 7-5, and six, seven and five, playing your bowl game, when your bowl game, that's all that's going to happen from here on out. I, I honestly don't think this team has that much fight left in them for when they play a team of a caliber, like an LSU, like an Auburn. I don't think they can do it anymore. And I think they they have four losses right now. I think they lose to Auburn. I think they lose to A&M on the road. But then they beat Georgia Southern, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. They finish 6-6. Six and six. They go to a bowl game. They won their rival, rival game. But I think still you have to look at this NCAA investigation going on right now. Is that any kind of distraction for this team, you think? Because there's something going on. And you lose to Arkansas 34-30 on the road. That's okay. That's respectable. You lost a good team on the road. Then you get hammered last night by 17 against LSU. You, you got beat by five against Bama. You lost a close one by 11 to Florida State. But I just want to know, Ole Miss can beat Auburn, and, and they're a dangerous team to do it. Trust me. I've, I've said all along Ole Miss scares me. But I don't know where the mindset is of this team right now. That's what I'm wondering. Can Hugh Freeze? Is he a good enough coach to get these guys playing for a game that really doesn't matter to them? They're they're out of the SEC race. We know that. With three losses in the SEC, it's over. Um, New Year's Day bowl, probably not going to happen. New Year's Six, definitely not going to happen. So beating Mississippi State is really this team's goal, probably. I mean, I don't know of any other goal. I hope they beat A&M. But I just don't know if they had the defense because, Jonathan, watching them last night, if they're having trouble with one player running the football, Auburn presents a whole different problem with running the football. If you're undisciplined, you're going to get exposed. And Ole Miss has about the 115th rush defense in the country right now. So I don't like the matchup from that point of view. But if you look at Auburn's defense, they're going to be challenged in the secondary more because – What's his head? What's his name? Oh, the quarterback for for Ole Miss, Chad Kelly. He can throw it quick. He releases it quick. Yeah, he he has a quick release, and I think that could put some pressure on Auburn because they won't. They may not be able to get the pressure they're used to getting on the quarterback. 
that's where that's a matchup worth watching right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the key matchup to watch isn't necessarily just Kelly. It's more of Kelly and Ingram. Because if you shut down Ingram, their tight end, you, Kelly kind of gets he gets flustered because that's always been a safety valve. That's his go-to guy. Uh, you know, he's like a Devin Funches. You remember him from Michigan, he's wide receiver for uh, Carolina yeah. now. Ingram is the same type yeah. of player. So I think if you can take away Ingram, then Kelly's going to get very flustered. He's not going to know what to do. Yes, they have tall receivers. But that means he's just going to throw a lot of jump balls. And, you know, jump balls, they're 50-50. You don't know if your guy's going to come down with it just because he's taller. Some of the, you know, these corners are very athletic. And you're right. I think it's a horrible matchup for Ole Miss's defense. We just saw what Auburn did against a bad rush defense. Now they get one that's even worse, a team that can't tackle. You know, and I, I think, uh, you know, at this point, the sanctions, I think they're hanging over the head of the coaching staff more than the players. But for the players, it doesn't really affect them. You know, because if sanctions come down, a lot of them can transfer. They can do this. They can do that. As far for the coaches, though, when you're talking about coaches that can lose their job over these sanctions, and I think it does hang over these coaches, and that they're having to focus on them. They're having to talk to investigators, and they're worrying about what will I have a job next year? How will you know I be able to provide for my family? Do this, do that. I think that is a problem. Uh, you know, so looking at it, you know, Ole Miss has some serious issues. There's no doubt about it, whether it's on the field or off the field. So, that, you know, Hugh Freeze has got to try and corral this team and get things figured out. We've seen some coaches who can do that this year. Miles Don was able to do it. Fisher's been able to do it. You know, now can, you know, can uh, Freeze go ahead and do the same thing knowing his team, they, at this point, they don't even have a shot at a New Year's bowl game in Florida. No, they're going to be playing in the cold weather somewhere. They're going to be, they're going to be freezing their balls off. Over there in Tennessee or something, or Shreveport. Well, that's not too cold in Shreveport, but um, <laughs> but I, I just look at your leader of your team is your quarterback should be, you know, and when I see your leader trying to tweet a porn star, trying to mm-hmm. have phone sex with her before mm-hmm. an Arkansas game on the road, I have a problem with that. Uh, I do. I, I just I think it, it goes to show and and trying to fight trying to get in a fist fight at a high school football game that your brother plays in. Yeah, I've got a problem with that, man. I, I do. It just shows the maturity of Chad Kelly. There's a reason Dabo kicked him out of Clemson. But there's a reason why Mr. Uh, idiot for Ole Miss, Hugh Freeze, will take anybody with a heartbeat that can throw to run his offense. Uh, I don't know. I just I hope Auburn wins because I don't want to lose a team like that. But But, again, Everybody's so high on Auburn. Let's let's hold off. These are the same people that was wanting the Gus fired. Remember how they want Gus fired? Everybody's wanting Gus fired, and I'm glad they didn't fire him. We'd be in a crap load of trouble right now. But I'm I'm more impressed with Chandler Cox on that team, and nobody talks about him, Jonathan. I've watched film. I go back. I went back and watched the game. His blocking and the receivers blocking were amazing. I just want to throw that out there, but I need to use the restroom. So I want you to, if you could run down the top 25, some of the teams you see in the AP top 25 and talk about what I talked about earlier, you and Quinn talk about Ohio state dropping only four places by losing to rape, rape university. All right. I'll be back in five minutes. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, Brian's already touched on it, and this is a conversation I had last night with one of my uh, uh, good friends who's at a Big Ten school. 
uh, we both agreed that Ohio State was not going to fall out of the top ten. And we we both thought the lowest they dropped is eight or nine. Um, you know, I I think I had Ohio State. Yeah, I did. I have Ohio State at number ten in my poll. And that was, you know, I like to base it off of wins and, you know, conferences and things like that. Um, you know, I, this is a very talented team. They remind me a lot of Clemson. Whether anybody wants to admit it or not, this Ohio State team it reminds me a lot of Clemson. Uh, they do show some flashes of Louisville, but they don't, it doesn't seem like they have as much speed. And Louisville is also a team that we don't know a ton about because it's their first year really exploding on the scene. So I really didn't think that they would fall that uh, that far, and they didn't. And I, I agree with what you guys were saying earlier. I do think that obviously there is favoritism, so they're not going to drop like they should. You know, Penn State's a team to me that I have just outside the top 25. I think they slot in right around between 26 and 30. It's a very good team, obviously a horrible loss to Michigan, but a huge win last night, a great way that they won that game. I heard the gripe about Nebraska earlier, and I know, you know, Quinn, you, you mentioned – uh, you know, as long as they're winning, they're going to stay ranked. Nebraska's this year's mm-hmm. Iowa. There's no difference between those two teams. You know, it's funny. Nebraska went 6-7 and seven last year, won their bowl game, right? They um they lost yeah. the tough, tight, you know, a bunch of tough, tight games, which is like silly ways to lose. And now looking at it this year, Nebraska's had that all that reverse. They're winning now. Um, and they're just going to keep winning. And, you know, and, I mean, Quinn, you remember Iowa last year? How we're like, how are how are they ranked this high? They don't look that good. Well, you keep winning, don't don't you think you should respect them? I mean, don't you agree? Yeah, but they're they're going to lose to Wisconsin and Ohio State in the next two weeks. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you're right. Easy. Uh, I think you guys are right. I think they'll be able to make this a mute point. Uh, But, you know, I heard what you said about Michigan and how, well, they've had an easy schedule. Yeah, they beat a good Colorado team. They smashed Penn State. They beat a good Wisconsin team. And my thing with Michigan was they're blowing out teams they should. And when I watch Michigan, I think that's an excellent team. Um, So I'm okay with them being in the top four. I slotted them at number two. Mainly because I, when I looked at Clemson's schedule, who I have at number three, I looked at that and said, they played a lot of tight games. And we're talking like a tight game with Troy and a tight game with North Carolina State, who I don't think either one of them are actually top 50 teams. And I think therein lies the issue with Clemson. Hey, Jonathan, if you put Mississippi State and Nebraska's schedule, they're undefeated right now. I mean, anybody in the SEC West is undefeated out of that schedule right now mm-hmm. at this point. That's what I have a problem with. I know they're winning, and now if they, they go into Wisconsin and Ohio State and win both of those games, put them at number one for all I care. I mean, <laughs> but it's but what I see on paper is not – what I see on the field when I watch them is not a very good team. It's just that, you know, they win, but, my God, you're favored in every game you've played this year for a reason. It's because you're playing high schoolers. You're playing teams. Oregon right now, yes, Jason's probably on the phone cussing right now, but that wasn't a quality win. Mm-hmm. You won that game by three points fighting for your life against a team that couldn't tackle my grandmother in a wheelchair if she was still living. I mean, couldn't slow her down. And it just pisses me off at some of the 
the bias. People just throw these polls in here together. They don't know what they're talking about. And West Virginia is at number 10. Don't you think West Virginia is better than Nebraska right now, Jonathan, when you watch West Virginia play? Do you not see the difference between West Virginia and Nebraska? I mean, West Virginia has been excellent this year. There's no doubt about that. They had the rough game with BYU and the rough game with Kansas State. and They really struggled, you know, for at least a half a ball against Missouri and against um, Youngstown State. You know, they're starting to click. They can play defense. But with West Virginia, I'm looking at what remains of their schedule, and I'm wondering, can they beat Oklahoma? Can they beat Oklahoma State? Can they beat Baylor? Because my problem with West Virginia – and it's a problem that some people have with Louisville. And I, and I just mentioned it was we haven't really seen it. this team actually be good. Uh, every time it, it seems like they're going to be good, they stumble. It's like Texas A&M. Texas A&M gets to 7-0, and and I think every single one of us is like, eh, I don't know, or 6-0. and And you're like, I don't know if this is a real 6-0. and Like, at what point does Texas A&M go back to what they've been doing the past three years? So, you know, I think it's just it's cautious optimism with these schools right now. Let's see how it all pans out. You know, and at this point in the year, Florida has one loss. Utah has one loss. They're both terrible in my eyes. I watch both of them, and they're horrible teams, yeah. but they don't lose. And I know Florida's played nobody. Nebraska's played nobody. Baylor's played nobody. But they're not losing. So until they actually start really – until they start losing – more than, you know, Florida lost to Tennessee. All right. You know, it, it, that, that, that's not a horrible loss. And until they really start losing, I'm having a hard time knocking them because they're doing what a lot of teams can't do right now. I mean, there's more two-loss teams in the Power Five than there are undefeated and one-losses combined. I don't remember getting this deep in the year and seeing that before. Well, 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 Jonathan, let me ask you. Boise State's at 13. Do you think they could beat Auburn or LSU or Tennessee or – uh, do you think they could? So if you're a pollster over here, you put Boise State in 13. Why? Why do you put Boise State at 13 right below Florida State? They beat Louisiana Lafayette. They did beat Washington State early. That's when Washington State lost at SDS school. You beat Oregon State. You beat Utah State, New Mexico, Colorado State, and barely survived BYU and Colorado State, and you're that high? Why? That's what pisses me off about these pollsters. I don't care if you go 12-0. and 0, You may still suck. And it is possible to be 12-0 and 0 and get skull drugged by Vanderbilt or somebody. It's possible. And that's what bothers me about these polls because – and here's the deal. You do, gotta, you do have to win, okay? You do have to win football games. Auburn should have took care of business early in the season. I'm glad they didn't because they're getting better now. I don't care where they're ranked right now. All that matters is where the committee ranks them. That's it. If he, Next weekend, if Auburn beats Ole Miss, Auburn will be in the top ten of that committee's poll. Would you agree with that? With the committee looking at a body of work, I think Auburn will be ahead of some of these teams that we're talking about now that the AP and coaches have. Same with LSU. If, if LSU wins and keeps winning, they're just going to catapult above people because of who they played. And let's bring let's bring Sonia in. She's been on hold for two minutes here. I just saw her. Sonia, welcome to the show. Hey, Tarvin. Hey, Donovan. I'm a Sonia. I'm a How you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I was How a little you doing? bit late. I had to um I had to find the link, but I was also doing exactly what you're doing, and I had to ex- I was explaining to people in the group 
why these polls do not matter and how the playoff committee rankings actually work. And what people do really need to understand, they stated this in their protocols, the playoff committee does not use any current poll or any poll or metric that was used by the BCS. They have one, um, one source that they use for their data. It's called uh, from Sports Analytics. And each ranking is not a continuing ranking. That's another thing people need to understand. The way the playoff committee looks at it is each week is a brand-new week. So if you're looking at, okay, you know, with the AP poll, the other polls, it's a continuing poll. But with the, with the POC, it's one new ranking every week. So what people need to do is, is it's going to be hard, but they have to change their mindset and understand this is not a continuing poll. That's number one. Well, and they also, and I totally agree, please stay away from these polls unless you just want to discuss it for, you know, discussion's sake. They do not matter at all in any way, shape, or form to the playoff committee and to their rankings. So, folks, if you're, you know, the polls that are, are current, they're just for the, that pollster's historical data, but they are not used by the POC. So, Sonia, the POC, one thing they do look at that I like is, and, you know, in the past you've seen a team in the top ten, and, and you're like, wow. And, and this is and this is the latest they've come out with it, which I like it. I'm glad they haven't come out yet. I'm glad they're waiting to see how teams shape. But you see that ten, number ten team, and people are like, wow, they're number 17 or 18 in the AP, but they've got two losses. But the, the, the committee takes into account strength of schedule. They take into account quality wins, who you played, where you played them. And I think that's what's going to surprise some people when that poll comes out. They're going to be like, well, hell, where's Nebraska? Where's where's uh, West Virginia and teams like that? They're going to say, how in the hell is an LSU team up here in the top ten with, with two losses? Or how's Florida State up here? I, I think the committee will get it more right than the AP poll will or coaches' poll. I, I totally agree. And, like, some of the principles that they use, and because I have it up right now, um, conference championships won, strength of schedule, head-to-head competition – Comparative outcomes of common opponents, okay, without the incending margin of victory, sorry, and any other relevant factors like key injuries that may have affected a team's performance, you know, like their starter, their quarterback. So they take all like of that Tennessee. into Tennessee. Right, exactly. Kind of like Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, so when people see the, the, the first rankings come out this year, um, November 1st, so when you see those rankings, you're right, people look and be like, well, in my opinion, so-and-so should have been higher or lower or whatever, or so-and-so shouldn't have been ranked in the top ten or ranked at all. But they need to understand this is not – this is the most comprehensive human poll that college football has ever had. So when you – you know, it's going to – there's some tweaking. You're going to need some stuff here. But I think we can really – if you really look back at the past rankings since their very first one started, you can kind of see the consistency of what they look for. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm I'm starting to get it, and I'm starting to see why I'm glad this playoff committee exists compared to going with the AP or coaches poll, putting people in just because you win football games. Just because you win a game that we're talking about Nebraska, they haven't beaten anybody this year, but they're up number seven because they're 7-0. And And I get Mm -hmm. it's important to win, but but it's also only seven weeks, eight weeks into the season, you know. So there's teams that maybe – well, I'll give you Auburn, for example. They played a tough Clemson team to start with, and they played A&M. They haven't found an identity. Now they seem like they're starting to. I think if they beat Ole Miss, the committee will look at Auburn and put them in a different level than some of the other two lost teams that lost to unranked teams or 
or somebody like that because right. uh, they are getting better over eight weeks. They have improved. They have kept it close. So I'm just giving them as an example of a perfect team that you mm-hmm. could see Auburn in the top ten of that playoff, and other people would disagree with that because they lost to or Tennessee, for example. You know, they right. depleted their whole team. They lost to Alabama by 39, but they almost beat A&M on the road in overtime. So I think Tennessee's going to get some love from the committee if they continue to win. Oh, yeah, they will, and so will Ohio State. That's, you know, people need to understand, too, unlike, like, when you say, when you look at a score, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, well, let's say, for example, I'm trying to think of a good, <laughs> a good one, uh, Mississippi State, uh, Kentucky, okay? When you look at the score, you're going to be like, wow, Kentucky beat Mississippi State. Great. But you don't know what led to that win. You know what I mean? So it's like if you're just looking mm-hmm. at the score, okay, did this person, did their uh, uh, top running back, did he, was he injured in the second quarter? You know, did we, uh, were some players taken off? Did this happen? Did that happen? So they take all of that into account, which these other polls don't, because they're really based on popularity and opinion. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, so you said they come out November 1st, the committee poll? Uh-huh, the first one comes out the first. Well, Sonia, I'm going to ask you first. What did you, what'd you, what'd you think about Carl Lawson and Auburn's performance last night? They looked like the old Auburn team back from 2013. They looked good, didn't they? <laughs> well, first of all, you know, we're personal friends with Woody's parents, so definitely we give him so much support, and I'm so glad to see him, like, finally healthy and at 100%. Because since he's joined Auburn, it's, you know, it's been, like, injuries here and injuries there. But to see him – at top level and, and the way he's leading that defense, yes. Even though con- contractually I'm not supposed to uh, compliment Auburn because of the in-state rivalry, but I will break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, Auburn looked good. Yeah, best I've seen him in a they, long they, time. And, you're... and this is not in regards to Auburn, but just to kind of uh, going back to what we were talking about before, people also need to understand, too, the same way, like we're looking at Auburn, you're an Auburn fan, you see how your team has improved. The committee does the same thing. So, you know, that's why I love I love the fact that we have the human element instead of just, you know, the BCS yeah. criteria I mean, and these polls criteria. Exactly, because, I mean, we're, we're fans of our own team, but if you're objective even, and I've, over the years I've become a lot more objective and less homer, you know, I try to be. And that, that happens over the years as you become mature. I look for a team, I look at a team like Florida. They haven't done anything to impress me, Sonia. They're, I know they're up there at 14. They have their chance in front of them. They beat Georgia and they beat Florida State. you got to give them their due. But I look at teams like that, you got to show me first. And, and, and like Alabama, Sonia, they haven't played anybody this year. Alabama's number one, but they haven't won a game to, against anybody. What's up with your Crimson Tide? <laughs> what you mean you ain't won a game anybody, Sean? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. You know I'm joking. I know. I'm number just one. Like, but actually, uh, number you one, know, there's actually people who good. say that. And I'm like, wait a minute. Ohio State fans, you don't need to say a word. Okay, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alabama's same. played a tough schedule so far. Like, USC neutral side. USC's playing well right now for the most part. 52 to 6, they beat them. At Ole Miss. Uh, at Arkansas, at Tennessee, A&M, and they haven't had a bye week, people forget. Eight games in a row Bama's played, and 
and they look good right now. There's question marks on Alabama, just like any team. But man, exactly. the score of what nine nine defensive touchdowns already this year? Nine. <laughs> I I love <laughs> our D. I was messing with um uh one of the members in our group because we always kind of like you know uh, like you and I do, we kind of smack with each other. And he was saying mm-hmm. the same thing. He was like, "Wait a minute, if you're because we were talking about um um Eddie Jackson and his broken leg. You know, he's gonna he's a leader of the secondary." And so, of course, it's an LSU fan, and he's like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Bama secondary is going to fail, blah, blah, blah. I hate the kid got hurt, but, you know, secondary this, secondary that. And I just had to laugh, and I was like, sweetie, when have you ever seen a Bama team depend on one player? It's next man up at Bama. Never. You know, so and that's another thing people, you know, again, take into account, which is the human, the human element that we now have that we didn't have before. So all of that comes into account. But the bottom line is I'm, I'm proud of Bama. You know, there's there's a couple of things, little tweaks and a few stupid mistakes that we need to tighten up on. But overall, I'm very, very proud of this team. And hopefully we'll, you know, make it all the way to the end. We've got LSU. Um, we've got a bye week this week and then LSU next week. And, uh, you know, you guys coming up. So those are, like, to me, our two, two challenging games or two tests. Well. Well, Sonia, I'm gonna play. Hop- I know you hate. I know you hate hypotheticals, but I want you to play with me here just for a second. In this <laughs> okay. One. And, and okay. Quinn and I disagree. Quinn and I disagree. You're the tiebreaker because you're a Bama fan. We're both Auburn. Just say Bama's rolling along at 11 and 0, and Auburn's 9 and 2. They're playing in the Iron Bowl. Auburn upsets Alabama, uh, 10 and 2 versus 11 and 1. I told Quinn that Alabama would not drop below Auburn in the rankings. He he said they would. Oh, I no. Think you, you, you have to look at the body of work. Alabama lost one time. Auburn has lost twice. Even though Auburn goes to the SEC championship, and, and, and maybe if they won that, they would. But at that time of the, of the, of the poll, Alabama would drop from probably one to, to four three or four, Auburn would probably move up from eight to six or five. I still think Alabama would maintain their lead over Auburn in the polls. You're absolutely – I totally agree with you because you're absolutely correct. We've seen this. We've seen them do it before um, with uh, – oh, God, my mind just went blank. Ah, I have to LSU. go back to I think it was – was it LSU that had the two losses? Yeah. And I they think didn't LSU look- beat y'all. And then or something like that. I was I trying to remember, remember, but I was also trying to trying to go back to the playoff committee versus BCS too. I just got so much stuff on my mind. But no, I totally agree because they have stated, and this is, and people can go if you go to YouTube, just you know, search for Jeff Long post uh, post ranking interviews and watch them all. They have made it very very clear that a one that one loss really won't affect a certain team. And it all really depends on that team's body of work, the strength of their schedule. Uh, you know, were there any injuries? Was there was there something going on? You know, even though this team was favored, did something happen? So they they look at all of that, and that's one reason why you're, you're absolutely uh, correct. Bama would drop maybe one or two spots. Auburn would move up one or uh, maybe one or two spots, but Auburn wouldn't automatically jump Alabama just because they beat. No. That's not now. And Jonathan, I'll, uh, Jonathan, I'll go to I'll go to you on this, but I could see a scenario where, like, if that happened, and God knows we're a long way from that game. If Auburn beat Florida or Tennessee in the SEC championship, that may propel Auburn into the playoff over a one-loss Bama. What do you think of that? But I, I think it's hard to penalize a team for losing once. Yeah, 
even if it's at the end of the season, when you've got a body of work like Alabama has and you've been the model of consistency throughout an entire season, I think it would be hard to put anybody in over. Well, that's what, that's why I like what the playoff committee does as far as it's a new poll every week. Uh, because if it's, a continue, if it's a continuation poll, Alabama would drop below Auburn because the, post, the, the posters that, that they're looking at go, well, you know, this team just be this team, so we have to put them ahead. So it's tough to be like, well, let's look at one another game. I think if this were to happen, Alabama would drop to four. I think Auburn would move up to five, is my yep. belief. And if, if Auburn wins the SEC championship game, they would slide in, and Alabama would probably would most likely slide out, depending obviously on how the other championship games go. Or, or, you know, they're, or, they're still or Alabama chance could go teams. too. Right. That's, yeah. That's why I'm. That's, yeah. Right. That's why I'm using the qualifier because let's say you get to the Big Ten championship game, Michigan loses to somebody. Uh, you know, you, you have a Washington lose, anything like that. But obviously, I think you could have two SEC teams, no doubt about it. But I think it would take Auburn not only to win that game, but to win the SEC before they get ranked ahead of Alabama. <laughs> Yep, totally agree. Yeah, and that's why I like the totally committee. And and I, and I'm on record as saying I'm not sitting here predicting Auburn over Alabama in the, in the Iron Bowl, just so people know. I don't even know if we're going to beat Ole Miss this weekend. So I'm just I'm just I like this debate kind of the difference between the committee versus the AP. Like Jonathan said, Sonia, all of a sudden in the AP poll, in humans' eyes, they move ahead because they beat them. But you have to look at 12 games. You have exactly. to look at all 12, not just one of them. Ohio State is a perfect example Um, because, you know, there's Buckeyes and Bucknuts. (laughs) And and talking with Buckeye friends who actually understand it and get it, and they're pretty cool, it's it's like you guys don't trip about that loss because it won't drop you that far, you know what I mean, in the committee's eyes. But the Mm -hmm. one thing that they will look at when you look at Ohio State versus Alabama, okay, Bama has won pretty much decisively. You know, maybe not blown all their opponents out, but they've won enough to show that they, you know, they 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 were the better team. With Ohio State, one thing that could hurt them a little is the fact that okay, the last couple of games you guys had to take it to overtime. You know, so those those are the kind of factors that it's great to have the the playoff committee and humanize. Mm-hmm. They will bring that into account, whereas the computer doesn't see it that way. Yeah, and and in humanize like. You know, or the committee. I think Ole Miss will be valued more, even though you know, to me, they're a dangerous team. They're three and four, but they they've lost to four really good football teams, and 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 yeah. I, I just think people discount them. You know, they lost to Florida State. They blew a lead. They lost to Bama. They were on top. They they blew out Georgia. They lost to Arkansas in a tight game. They lost last night at Baton Rouge. I mean, Ole Miss is still a team that could beat anybody on any given day. And, and I think the committee will look at Ole Miss like that. Oh, yeah. If for all of them, even with um, um, SMU beating Houston. You know, Houston was undefeated it. yesterday. SMU of all teams, <laughs> you know, beat them. But that doesn't mean that Houston's a fraud or, or Tom Herman's not a good coach or anything like that. They look at, okay, wait a minute. What was going on in this game? Did something happen where they're, you know, did, did, did Houston self-implode? You know, or was SMU truly the better team? So that's what I really like is the fact that you've got all of these people who are, you know, considered experts in, in football who can sit back and take, you know, ask those questions. And it's great that they can't vote on their own teams or their own conference, but I love the way it's a give and take. So they set it up right. 
you know, as far as is it being, you can't show favoritism because you're not allowed to, but it's really cool when you see their first rankings compared to all the other polls, and usually they're complete opposite. And then from that point on, that's when people start thinking like that. But before that, the PLC rankings come out, all people have are like the AP, the coaches poll, the USA Today, and all of that. So, of course, they're going to discuss it ad nauseum. But what they need to do is remember on 11-1, all of that goes out the window. Well, you remember you gotta, two years ago when when the committee came out with their polls too early, Jonathan? Do you remember how they came out and all of a sudden TCU or Baylor, I can't remember which one it was, but Baylor was up there. All of a sudden, after one weekend, Ohio State comes from nowhere and jumps to number four. I think that's why the committee is doing this, waiting until November to do their poll, because I think all year you watch the committee put Baylor or TCU right there in the playoff, and then all of a sudden it changes in one weekend. I think that's why they're probably doing this, don't you think? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I think you have to wait for November, because by, no, by the first week of November, you should have played at least one, maybe two tough games. You know, if you're the case of, like, an Alabama or teams like that, obviously you played more. But if we're looking at a conference like the Big Ten or the Big 12, you have to have played at least one or two good opponents by then. That way we can actually get a judge of what you are. Because if they release this in week six, you know, we got an issue. Or when they release it this week, we have an issue. You know, Baylor, okay, they played Oklahoma State. That's their best opponent. Is that a good team? No. Is that, you know, that, that, I mean, well, are they a really good team? No. So we don't know how great of a test that is. West Virginia, who's the best team they play? BYU? Uh, you know, so, you know, Nebraska, the best team they played is maybe Indiana? So, you know, if, by the time that these come out, all of these teams will have actually played a, a, a solid opponent is what you're hoping. You know, you're hoping the schedule yeah. isn't, as back, isn't really backloaded. Now, Florida, their schedule's backloaded as all can be. You know, three of their last four games are on the road. They're their toughest opponents probably of the year in Arkansas, LSU, and Florida State. So we're not going to know what a Florida is till the end of the year in all reality. But for most of these teams, we've kind of already – we'll figure out what they are by the time these rankings come out. That's what I appreciate by, about this. Sonia? No, I totally agree. It's, it's like, to me, they really – and we talked about this on the show, if, if I recall correctly, that the rankings were too early and they needed to push them back. Because, I mean, what Johnson said is right. It's like, you don't know – to me, it's like um, – let me go back to what Jeff Long said when he was talking about the losses, an early loss versus a late loss. And uh, he specifically said that the committee looks at it, looks at an early loss, they're more sympathetic to that because, number one, teams, it's their first time, you know, actually playing competition. You're going to have to do some tweaking. So you never, you know, you don't have that solid, okay, this is Bama, this is Auburn, this is, you know, Florida State, this, this is this team. It's too early. You know, it was the same way. I mean, think about it. Tennessee's first game versus Appy State, that Tennessee team, <laughs> I mean, seriously, if if we were looking at that as the benchmark for Tennessee, we'd be like, Tennessee better not be on nobody pole. Not a T, not an E, not an N, not an S, nothing. <laughs> but look at what Tennessee has done since then. So I love the fact that they did push yeah. it back some because it really does. It gives the teams a break, too. Because they understand, you know, they're, they're coaches. These are coaches, ADs, you know, former players. So they they really have a more of an inside view than we do. So they can really be more objective than we would. So I love I the wanna, fact that they I want to throw something. 
I'll throw something out to all the fans out there, the people that think they know football. Once a month in November gets here, you can throw everything you know about football almost out the window because that's when crazy things happen in football. If y'all remember, every November, rival games, rivalry games, you have all these things, injuries, yeah, the wear and tear. And I think people forget. They think their team's cruising right along. And then, like Houston yesterday, all of a sudden – SMU got them. Navy got them the week before. There's no, there's no gimmies anymore once you get to November, unless you're from Auburn and Alabama. You're playing Chattanooga and Alabama A&M one week. Yeah, you can, you can give me those. But, but like Alabama, even playing Mississippi State in November, that's crazy. At LSU, Auburn, I mean, you don't know how Alabama's going to do until they run that gauntlet. So people think they know who's going to be in the playoffs. They don't have a clue just yet. It's, there's still yep. a lot of football left to be played. Exactly. A lot of football and then a lot of, of, of you know, we've got the coaching issues with certain teams. There's just so much that most people don't take into account that the POC does. And Texas. Texas better not be in anybody's poll, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Charlie Stromford, uh, Florida State defensive coordinator, still, 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 still saying it. Come on now, Charlie, come, come back oh to the state of Florida. God. We'll take good hey. care of you. <laughs> come on, come on down, Charlie. That's right. The Texas, the Texas firing these coaches, Tanya. We talked about it. It's like you know Auburn fans, these idiots wanting Gus Malzahn fired a, a few weeks ago, and now they're back on the bandwagon again, but. If you're Texas, don't you have to be careful with this firing and the hiring? If you do, because you can you keep firing coaches. You've seen you've seen Tennessee, you've seen Alabama do it. It's hard yep. to come back from that. It's hard it to come back. Yep. Not every coach is going to be a Saban. You know that was a great mm-hmm. hire for us, and we were fine. You know, trust me, trust me. <laughs> we are very very happy with our coach. We have no issues. But at the same time, when you're looking at some of these other teams. It's like, okay, wait a minute. You gave the guy how many years? James Franklin, great example. Last night, James Franklin, he won the game of the year for them because they knocked off unbeaten Ohio State, which is, which is considered the, the king of the Big Ten. But let's go back. You still have to look, you know, at other – there's other issues. Okay, who did they play? Who have they played? What's going on here? Is this person out? How's this coach? How's this coach? There's when you when James Franklin walked into to, uh, Penn State and when he walked into that position, he automatically had two years as a gimme because number one, the sanctions that was number one, so they lost those scholarships. Then you turn around and number two is the fact that you know he's got to recruit his own players, give them time to get in. Give you know, bring them up to speed. So to me, it's like if you're firing a coach after two years, nah, you didn't even give him enough time. Mm-hmm. Unless he's just like horrible. No, you got to give him yeah, some time. Yeah, it's like Kirby Smart. It's like Kirby Smart at Georgia. This is his first year. He's gonna. You remember Saban's first year at Alabama? You know, it wasn't that pretty. And Kirby Smart this year's coming in. I don't. I don't think Kirby's gonna be a great head coach. I'm just. That's just my feel. But you can't judge Kirby Smart really based off this year's action. I mean, he gets the bowl game. He has a top recruiting class. His third year should be the year that you start seeing a true difference in Georgia. Would you agree with that, or would you expect more results next year? Oh, no, totally agree. It's like, wait a minute. 
all the, all the Georgia fans who are talking about, oh, we're going to the SEC championship game because Kirby's our coach and he learned under, he trained under Saban, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's all good. But, honey, come back to reality. Exactly. Those aren't his players. He was an assistant under Nick Saban. He wasn't a head coach. So you have to look at the fact that this is his first time as a head coach of a major program, you know, and the fact that, okay, what did he walk into? And that's the one thing that people don't, you know, they want so, as fans, we want quick results. You know, give no, now, now, now. You've been there for six months. Come on, you should be at the national championship by now. <laughs> no, that's not being real. <laughs> Well, well, you know, Gus, Gus has had five years, I guess, five years now as a head coach. And even this year he's learning that, hey, I've got to delegate. I've got to be able to, to sit back and, and pay the, or trust the people that I hire to do things. And, and, you know, that's five years coaching. He's learning lessons. So, Kirby, this is his first time. At a, he's at a major school. Malzahn was at Arkansas State for a year and got that training. Kirby's not that luxury. It's not luxurious for him. He's got to come in the SEC immediately, and people are judging him already. Like, man, you lost to Vanderbilt, or man, you lost to Tennessee, or and he's probably going to lose to Florida. But it's not time. Let him learn. Let him make mistakes. Let him learn his own team and bring his own team in because that's Mark Rick's right. team. Most of them in there, and you got to weed those guys out before you can truly judge Kirby Smart. Mm-hmm. And same with with Gus. When um, Gus walked into Auburn, okay, it was a Trooper-Taylor fiasco. So he had to deal with that mess from, from you know, Trooper and, and, and Chizik and, and their sweating <laughs> heads and the team kind of going, you know, some some players are, you know, Team Trooper and some are Team Chizik, and it's like, wait a minute. So he had to deal with he had to deal with all of that walking into that, you know, plus hiring his own people, recruiting his own, his, his own players. So to me it's like, okay, he's finally coming full circle – and now fans are beginning to see the results. But don't sit here and say because he didn't win the Iron Bowl for three years straight that, oh, okay, he's got to go. Uh-uh, no, yeah. you got to give him some time. I think Gus Malzahn is the best thing that's happened to Auburn in a long time because the guy really cares about the school. He cares about the, his job. And he's competitive. If you're putting a competitive product on the field and getting better week in and week out and you're recruiting top ten talent, it's just a matter of time before you hit your spot. I mean, he's made one national championship as a head coach and one as an assistant. But, I mean, I've been alive for 39 years, 40 Tuesday, by the way, and that's the first two times I've ever seen Auburn play in a national championship game, and he's been involved in both of them. So I think Auburn fans around need to uh, pot down a little bit. Sometimes I hear him out there talking about firing him and doing all this. If they don't win ten games, he's gone. And I'm like, well, go ahead and fire him because he's probably not winning ten games this year. <laughs> uh, I think we, I think we we have a more realistic view, like all three of us, because of the fact that we love it and we kind of just you know our weekends are devoted to football, <laughs> so we watch <laughs> it all the time. Whereas you have fans like I'll use my own fan base. I call them the new crew bammers. I do not like them. I cannot stand. Out of, if I had a list, I think I think everybody knows by now, or the people who are close to me, like you, Tarvin, the number one number one spot on my list for most hated fans are my own. It's Bama fans, and it's those <laughs> new fair weather bandwagon Bama fans who just—I mean—they're obnoxious. Like, wait a minute, where were you when we weren't winning? Okay, Entitled. where were you? You know, when we're sitting here, like, wait, Shula, we do. Can we win one Iron Bowl? (laughs) 
you know, where were you during those times? And these people want to jump in and they're, you know, act like they've, they've, they've been here for the long haul. No, uh-uh. See, I don't like y'all because y'all just mess it up for everybody else. The first thing you're looking at is, oh, my God, you know, with Kiffin. He's not running the ball. Fire Lane Kiffin. But wait a minute. This is the same dude that took us to the national championship and coached those, you know, he coaches the offense, he coaches, coaches the, uh, the quarterback. So in, in one breath you love him, then the next week you want to kill him and you want him fired. Okay, who's going to take his place? And then where is he going to go to make to work that same magic and perhaps surpass what he's done at Bama? I hear, so that's what, I hear that yeah, that's, a lot. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, shut up. That's, I hate that the whole firelink, kissing, blah, 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 blah. I have long, I was one of the, the main ones. When he was at USC, fire Lane Kiffin. Well, you fire him. <laughs> you fire him. We'll, I'll, I'll take him if you fire him. I'll take him. If you, if yeah, you it's like, him, dude, you know, but I'm like, dude, look at him now and look at what he's done for our program in conjunction with, you know, with Saban and all the, the, the other uh, combinations. We've got success here. He's part of that success. So why are you talking about firing him? Oh, because you're not a true fan who really understands the game and understands the fundamentals. Yeah, sometimes I want him to run more, but I look at it like this. Who am I, who is anybody really, to gain, say, the top coach in college football and his hire? I have to, I have to remind myself about often about Gus Malzahn and what they're doing. I'm like, okay, I'm not making millions of dollars, so I just shut up and watch. Uh, yeah. I have yeah. my I have my opinion, John, Jonathan. I'm sure you do too with Jimbo Fisher, but I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure it wouldn't hurt Jonathan's feelings if Jimbo left after this year, would it, John? Oh, I mean, we've had that conversation. There's um, there's two position coaches I want fired. There's another one that I don't care if he leaves, retires, whatever. There's a defensive coordinator that I'd love to see gone, uh, and there's a head coach that if he left, okay. Like I'm at this point, I'm not, I'm not worried if Jimbo leaves. It doesn't bother me anymore, because mm-hmm. that Jimbo that won in 2013 has reverted back to the Jimbo that we wanted to kill in 2011. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you know, and you know, but my thing was, you know, looking at Charles Kelly, our defensive coordinator. My biggest gripe with him is Florida State has played their best defense playing man to man. Yet he keeps going back to the zone. Stop! Don't do that. It's not working. We thought not working against Louisville. Why we thought not working against North Carolina? Why do you want to do that again? Why do you want to torture us? You know our linebackers coach will want fire. I think he's useless uh, because our linebackers are progressively keep getting worse. Our receivers coach are want fired. As much as I love Lawrence Dossie and what he's done, he's been useless as a coach. He's not a good recruiter. He, he can't, you know, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I said there are certain issues, but it's not, I'm not one of those guys who's saying fire Jimbo. There are a lot of people who are fire Jimbo, fire Jimbo. And it's like, I just don't care if he leaves now. If he stays, yeah. great. If he goes, I'm not great about trying to see a whole program get changed, but it's not going to kill me. How about how about go. Quinn over there at Notre Dame? Brian Kelly, Quinn, if he loses to Notre Dame, if he loses to Miami this weekend, uh, I heard your AD say that Brian Kelly will be walking them out of the tunnel next year at Notre Dame. I don't know if that's going to be as a mascot or as a head coach. Which one is it going to be? You, you know, that, about, 
about the about Notre Dame, I've had conflicting feelings about if they don't get the six wins, what they should do. And I'm looking around that coaching, and I even tried to put a coaching list together. And There's I can't, nobody. And I and there there is nobody. So I'm like, whether <laughs> that what. I mean, Brian Kelly overall at Notre Dame since he's been here has done pretty well. This has just been a really odd year, and he hasn't mm-hmm. lost the team. It's just been a very, very odd year, and I don't even know what to think of it because they're not getting blown out. They're all close losses. But so I think you bite and just you keep them, and then you and then you see what happens next year. They have the talent. He'll he'll be able to get a new defensive coordinator in, and then you just go from from there. It's just been a very 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 weird, probably the oddest year of all the years of watching football. Yeah. Where I just have not, I just don't understand where where the struggling is coming from. Like it's just all very very weird to me. Yeah, if you fire Brian Kelly, you're dumb right now. Like. Son, and they yeah. need some free coaches right now that look good. Do you think Ed Orgeron at LSU, do you think LSU should keep Ed Orgeron if, if, if he does well the rest of the year, Sonia, or do you think LSU yeah. should should look for somebody else? I say no. I don't like the guy, but Jonathan says yes. What do you think, Sonia? I think that if, if, he, if he has that team winning and they're behind them and they're all working together – and don't don't if it ain't broke don't fix it. <laughs> so if you know at the end of the season, if they go to a bowl, if they win out except against us, um, <laughs> like no, that's still a great be. season though. It's still a great season if they lose to Bama and finish nine and three and win a bowl game and ten wins. That's a great season for anybody really besides exactly. Alabama, I guess. And for a team that fired their coach in the middle of the season. So, I, to me, I think they really should give him a shot. Well, I think they should if they do because there's nobody, like Quinn said, there's nobody really out there. I'm not Tom Herman. I'm not sold well, on him just yet like he's the mighty savior. And, and I yeah, don't know of any other coach out there besides Art Bryles that – and I don't know, are you willing to bring Art Bryles in right now after what happened to Baylor? So, mm-hmm. there's nobody to bring in. Hold on. I can I can name some coaches. <laughs> I know your little I'm... Central Michigan coach or whatever. You well, hey, hey. Who else? Be, be nice. Uh, Fleck at Western Michigan. I think he's done a good job. And, <laughs> you know, A, he turned a program around. B, he's recruiting circles around everybody else in the MAC, which tells me this guy's a really good recruiter. Um, Willie Taggart at USF, I think, has done a phenomenal job of turning that program around. I know they just lost to Temple, and it was not pretty. Um but this is a coach that I think he's a good coach. He's doing a good job recruiting, and he's done, he's done a better job of developing guys. Quentin Flowers couldn't play quarterback two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, but that, for SEC teams, though, LSU's got to have a big name. They're not going to give anybody a chance that's well, unproven, no, I, I don't mean, think. You, you look at Taggart. Taggart's a hardball disciple. He won at Western Kentucky. He's winning at USF. He's got the pipeline to the Florida schools that everybody's going to want. I think this is a very good coach. I think Carson at Boise State. We saw, he's an understudy of Peterson at Washington. We see how well Peterson's doing. We see how well Harson has been doing at Boise. I think that's somebody that you could legitimately give a shot. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll leave, but McIntyre in Colorado's done a great job. 
I think that's somebody to look at, how he completely turned around San Jose State, how he turned around Colorado. I think there's some good coaches out there. And, of course, let's not forget the coordinators. There are yep. some really good coordinators out there that we forget about all the time. Aranda at LSU, I think, is an excellent coordinator. We saw the success he's had at Wisconsin. He's done a very good job at LSU. You know, there are guys out there like that. I, you know, we, we always just go back to, well, there's no, there's no good ones out there because there's no really big-name ones out there. But sometimes you have to look at these young guys and see what they've done at some of these smaller programs. And I yeah. think if you look at recruiting and development, those are the two big factors, not just winning. It's can you recruit and can you actually develop players? And if you can do that, I think that leads to this guy could have success at the next level as long as he's put in position to win. Charlie Strong was put in a position to get fired. That's all he was done at Texas. If Charlie yeah. Strong was hired in good faith, I think he'd actually have a fair shake at this. Yeah, Sonia, I think Jonathan's right about Charlie Strong. I think that, you know, half the people didn't want him there, off the, uh, the trustees or whatever. Charlie Strong's been fighting a losing battle ever since he came to Texas. It's hard to win if you don't have the support from the top. And, uh, exactly. When people are wanting, you, wanting you to fail, when they're wanting you to fail, it's tough. When, when people when people set others up for failure, <laughs> to me, no matter who it is, every coach that comes in behind a longtime veteran coach that has had success, you know, and maybe has, you know, they're reaching, they're reaching the twilight of their years, so it's time for them to to retire or go away. That person is already behind the eight ball because number one. The fans are dedicated to that coach, even though they might say, "Okay, yeah, he's da 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 da," but that's who they know. So when somebody comes in, no matter what goes wrong, it's all the new coach's fault. It's all the new coach's Oh, we lost. We did this. Blah, 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 blah. This happened. All Charlie Strong's fault. And to me, and it's kind of going back to the original question before this one, when it comes to available coaches, we're not looking there, – there's not any available coaches just sitting around at home right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're either employed, All like right. Petrino. You know, you're looking at uh, coaches like Petrino and stuff. Yeah, he's at Louisville, but come on. Seeing the success, this man is coaching to get back to being in charge of an elite program. So when you see people like that, yeah, that's a possibility. But as far as, like, available great coaches just sitting around, you know, waiting on the phone ring, there's not any. That I can I'm, think I'm of here. right off I'm the here. Wow. <laughs> so you have to look at that. But, I'm yeah. Here. Strong was set up for failure. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. If anybody out there listening, you want a head coach, I'll only take three million a year, no, no less, no more. Just <laughs> I'll coach your team. I need a guaranteed five-year contract. And, uh, Hold on, I think I'm getting I'll a text set. from Wait, is Powder Springs Pee Wee League. They can't give you That's three five. million. Is that kind of money? They'll give you twenty-five dollars. Three million. And a Burger King, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'll be coaching Pee Wee before long. I will be. I will be discovered one year. I will be discovered. When you do, don't forget us little people. Oh, I won't. I'll, I'll remember. I heard you I'll, need I'll a coordinator, and, Brian. Yeah, Jason, Sonya, Quinn. What y'all all be my coordinators? We'll all. We'll, we'll all get along just great and win. That's all we'll do. You know. You, you know. You know that that show Friday Friday Night Tights or whatever. That's what we'll do. Oh God, no. We'll be like a, <laughs> I want to kill some of those. I'm like, why are you, t- why are you acting like that little ten year old boy is, is like Mark Ingram or somebody or or Odell Beckham Jr. Dude, calm down. 
Oh, no, it's fun. Well, well, Sonia, thoughts from your game yesterday, the Bama A&M game. It was a great game. Uh, A&M took the lead early in the third quarter, but after that it was it was just not close anymore. I loved it, of course. You know, I always love when Bama wins. There, there's a few things we need to look at. And, of course, you know, Eddie being hurt, def, you know, he's got broken his leg, so he's out for the rest of the season. Um, you know, things like that you don't like to see. But it's – I would say if, if we can – if like Jalen can throw the ball deep, which is great, but he, he tends to overthrow. If he can tighten up on that, uh, if we can tweak a few other issues that we have – I'm very confident that this team, you know, will make it to the playoffs and to the national championship. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel now. But, of course, on the other side, any given Saturday, any given Saturday. Exactly. All you need is, it's you hard. know. Exactly. So that's why I have to give – I give Saban and, and all of the teams, not just him, but all of the teams who consistently are, are at the top of the pack or leading the pack, they work hard because it could, it could be gone just like that. But I was I was very very impressed. I was um, <laughs> I heard about the plumbing problem, so that didn't make me a proud Bama fan. <laughs> the water problem. The plumbing problems at Brian Denny. There was some issue with the water pressure, so nobody in the stadium could use the bathroom. So imagine all of those people. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that that was not good to hear about that. But no, I was. Oh, I was all that be- all that beer, all that beer and liquor has to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Oh my! That sounds just like <laughs> Oakland. Oh no! Also, thank, that, that, thank Lord the locker rooms didn't flood. Thank, there you go. <laughs> um, but I was also like, even with, even with uh, Tam U, and I have been—I've said this from the beginning, so this is not new news. Tam U's success is Chavis. It is not someone. Yeah, that that defense has gotten a lot better, hasn't it? Oh yeah. Very much so. That's I'm like, okay, go ahead, and Tam, you we got we see what you're doing over there, okay. Um, but no, I was very happy. Now this is one thing that I hope we do talk about because I'm not trying to get off topic, but this is something that just drove me crazy, and it, I just don't see how people who are not, let's see, west of the Mason-Dixon line <laughs> can't see this. But last night, Oklahoma. Okay, bruh, how do you have two teams that have together over 1,800, 1,800 <laughs> passing yards, then you got a quarterback that threw for 734 passing yards? Dude, do y'all know how to spell defense? Do y'all have any – I mean, seriously, there is no defense in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. It's like what? Dude, that's a basketball score. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've never seen a game like that I'm before. like, no, you I've know, never. you don't cheer because the other team didn't stop yours from scoring, dog. That means y'all defense. <laughs> you're Oklahoma, Sonia, Sonia. You're Oklahoma, and you're the quarterback that you beat got 800 yards on you, and and you want to beat your chest as an Oklahoma and Bob Stoops. Exactly. Man, good Lord, there, there's no way a Big 12 team gets into my playoff if I'm doing it because. They suck, man. The Big 12 overall is probably the worst I've ever seen it, ever seen it. Oh, my God. Tarvin, we were sitting there, and, you, of course, you know, we look at look at different games of the day, but it's like for the past couple of weeks or the past three or four weeks, we're looking and we're like, why are you? Why are your games so high scoring? <laughs> and why do you guys yeah, you know. why do you take pride in that? 
no. <laughs> no, no, well, no. Remember. Because I'm like, what do y'all do? You just, the, oh, go ahead. Ain't no big deal. Go ahead. Remember the nine, you, remember, you, remember, you remember the 9-6 Alabama game people were making fun of, and, and now they, they, you know, the SEC has a, evolved now into playing offense and defense more. But, my God, if my team gave up as many yards as Oklahoma's did, I would kill myself. Seriously, I'd probably be dead tonight if Auburn gave up 850 yards to Arkansas and That's we won. Deep. I'd probably – I would die, really. I would die. That's I, one of the I main reasons like I was we like, we, I, I wanted you to do a show today just to talk about that because I'm like, am I the only person that sees this and is like, that is not right. Why are y'all cheering that? And this is what or, their how excuse about, is. This is what their excuse is. Oh, our offenses are still good. That's the Big 12 fans and Pac-12 <laughs> fans' excuses. Like, oh, yep. come on now. You guys just don't have any defense. Come on now. There is no offense that's that's so good to be averaging. Hey, Quinn, the other night, Oregon and Cal's over-under was like 89, the (laughs) over-under. And they they, they scored 101 points in the game. And I'm stressed out watching it. It's like I I, I can put a bet on a team. I can put a bet on a team in the Pac-12 and give 14 points and be down 28 to nothing and say, that's nothing, man. They'll catch it up in about five minutes. Watch. And here they come. <laughs> it's like it's terrible. J- Jason Humphrey's Oregon team, Jason Humphrey's Oregon team, Sonia, he's, he's talking about their defense. I mean, the Pac-12 and the Big 12, do you see anybody besides Washington possibly getting into the playoffs? I mean, Washington seems to play some defense, but Will they get the respect out of that conference to make a playoff if it comes down to a Louisville team or Bama or Auburn or LSU or somebody like that or Florida State? I mean, is Washington good enough to the defense played in that conference good enough to get any kind of respect? I think anybody who plays any sort of defense and can hold a team to under 50 and the Big 12 <laughs> <laughs> might be your top defensive team right there. Hell no. Because no, no. <laughs> defenses of the Big Ten, SEC, teams like us, they're going to be like, wait, we ain't used to this. Hold on. We're supposed to be able to score at will. You guys oh, are just supposed oh. to let us go by and, and just score as we want to. No, sweetie, that's not how it works. That's not how Hold any on. of this works. Hold on now. Colorado <laughs> beat Stanford 10-5. to 5. Somebody else plays defense. Or either they can't yeah, score. Stanford, yeah, Stanford's <laughs> no, so bad. Dude. It ain't got nothing to do with defense. It ain't got them playing – no, it ain't got nothing to do with them playing defense. They just got an offense that just can't score. All them basketball teams – basketball, football teams out there, hell no. I knew, I knew Jonathan was going to bring that up. I knew he was. I was thinking about that, uh, that 10-5 to 5 Pac-12 game. But, but Oklahoma, I mean, look, you talk about time for a coaching change. Bob Stoops, I mean, they mm-hmm. let him into the playoff last year, and we laughed about it like – how in the hell they favored over Clemson? Clemson actually played mm-hmm. defense, and they got rolled. And, and I, I think the Big 12 screwed Sonya from now on about getting into that playoff. They're, it's going to be tough for a Big 12 team to get in now. Oh, it, it is. They, they need some. I was like, dude, do y'all even know the letters to spell the word defense? What do you call <laughs> your defensive coordinator? I mean, what? Oh, what F- is F- the There are no concussions. And here they are, the passing offense in this country. Texas Tech's number one. 
Uh, Cal's number four, TCU six, Washington State seven, Oklahoma State eight, Oklahoma 12th. I mean, you, and these are UCLA 16th. I mean, you don't see SEC teams up there. You see nobody hardly except Ole Miss at number 15, and they're they're a great passing team, but there's such thing called running the football too, guys. You might want to try it. <laughs> you might want to hand the – hand the ball off to someone and let them run because, I mean, that quarterback for uh, Texas Tech's on you, I bet he's, he's probably got his shoulder on ice right now. Probably can't even move it for about a month because he threw exactly. 95 passes last night. Right, like, dude, bragging that your quarterback threw for 734 yards does not get you any cool points. <laughs> Okay, we know that he's lost. so at least he's consistent. At least he'll you know he'll still continue to throw. But at the same time, we're looking like, bro, they dropped sixty on you. Y'all have fifty points. What seriously? I'm not playing when I ask. Who, who is your defensive coordinator? He must be in charge well, of getting because he ain't he damn sure ain't showing no defense. Texas Tech's defensive coordinator last year got fired because he got caught smoking pot in his office. So I'm looking at I'm looking at Bring Texas Tech. Bring him back. I, I, well, I'm like maybe that helps. I don't know. They, I, don't, I honestly don't think they teach you how to tackle the Texas schools. I mean, A&M leads the country in this tackle, so I, I think they just don't know what tackling is in that state. As well, they think they're good at football. They don't know how to tackle. Now Texas Tech, well, well, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. If he hadn't played there and if he wasn't pretty, he would have been fired after last uh, night. Don't care what anybody says because he has been – oh, the offense is really good. Look at, look at look at this. Davis Webb came from Texas Tech. Look how good a quarterback he is at Cal. Look how good Baker is. At, well, A, it's not good when, like, the two best quarterbacks you've produced are playing elsewhere. B, you're giving up 50, 60 points a game. Come on, y'all. And I'll tell you this, you know, Jason, he's used to watching Big Ten football. They grind it out. We're SEC, Sonia and Quinn, we like to – I mean, we're used to seeing defense. Even Jonathan is. But when you watch that game last night, you're talking about every time they would just drop back and throw bombs and there would be nobody around the receiver. That never happens in the SEC, man. It's always like – these guys are covered like you have to make a phenomenal catch to get one. And, I mean, these guys are 20 yards wide open on every catch, and they're impressed about it. Like, they're like, wow, yeah. look at us. We're great. Yeah, we're awesome. Look at that. We dropped 60. I'm like, dude, I'm looking at your linebackers, and they out there filing their nails. <laughs> they're playing duck, duck, goose. I think the UCLA-Utah game was like, 35 to 28 after the first quarter, Quinn, yesterday or something. I was looking at my phone. I thought it was broken or something. It was like, I was like, well, the hell, yeah. the, the quarterback, the quarterback Rosen for UCLA is not playing, and yet it's like they scored 70 points in the first half. The, the final first score was 52 to 45. The first yeah, quarter took was, an hour. Utah <laughs> is using was, a, a running back that quit on the team. He just showed back up like two weeks ago, and he ran for 300 yards yesterday. I mean, come <laughs> on. UCLA's back, though. UCLA's got a good defense. They back. Man, fire Jim Mora. Fire that man. He's yeah. in the best yeah, of the world. He's unretired. 
<laughs> Unretired Utah running back runs for FBS season best 332. Unretired in college. He's like, you know what? I'm unretiring. Hell, I'm playing UCLA today on the road. I'm going to go drop 332 on them. There you go. I mean, they got players that Good they got Lord. running backs with one leg just hopping down the field, and defense like, go ahead, we're gonna get you a head start. Go ahead, <laughs> we'll yeah. we'll get to you sooner or later. And the reason that the, the uh, DC was smoking that pot, uh, Jonathan, is because he ain't had nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure man, with the defense. So I'm bad. like, dog. That's how he deals with the defense. Yeah, I would need a I would need two Xanax, a Valium, uh, some weed, or something. <laughs> Hey, at least you know why Sarkeesian drank. You know why Sark wasn't broke now. I bet you they're stronger in Alabama. They play defense. And the worst thing is They're like a baby learning their first word. Defense. No, baby. Say it and then actually do it, okay? Defend something. That's a, that's a four-letter word. That's a four-letter word in the Pac-12, in the Big 12. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I just wanted to know, like I said, this really just, it, it floored me. Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, 734 passing yards? Is that one? Did they do a typo? Is that supposed to be a two or a three? No, that's seven. So, I'm like, dude, how did you have time to throw? 734 passing yards. <laughs> I mean, sadly, this is why we're kind of impressed with Baylor and West Virginia because they play some semblance of a defense in the Big 12. We're not used to seeing that. We're like, look at that. They can tackle, guys. I don't know what that is, but it looks good. <laughs> I mean, look at this game, Sonia. Sonia, 23 points were scored in the first quarter, 31 in the second, 35 in the third, and 36 right. in the fourth. You're talking about – a heart attack for fans right there. I mean, you'd be up by three touchdowns, and all of a sudden you're losing by 14. I mean, it's Yeah. And see, that's the thing because it's like, okay, when we watch a game, Bama versus Auburn, we'll lose Bama, use Bama versus Auburn. Okay. Bama scores. Auburn scores. Okay. When Auburn's offense is on that field, I'm all about the D. No. Your goal, they cannot score any points. They can't get a safety, a touchdown, two-point No, you are not to let them in that end zone. That is how we're – you know, all of us are used to defenses like that. But when you're watching some of these other games, and it's like, I don't get it. I mean, like, do y'all know that there's another part to football? It's not just offensive. <laughs> Did they not cover That's this when y'all were in Pee Wee League out in California? Or, you know, what the heck is going on? Into a field goal. Yeah. So. I'm just like, no, 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 no. It's, to passing. me, that's – yeah, the committee's going to look Good at that, Lord. too, because it's like, okay, yeah, you guys are great at, at offense. You're great at making yards and, and, you know, scoring points. But you do realize that the other half of your team that's on defense, their job is to stop that team from scoring. So I'm looking at the big <laughs> – I'm like, none of y'all. Uh-uh. No. And, and there's 17 penalty flags. Uh, team in the playoffs. None. Seven, 17 penalty flags in that game for 152 yards. If that if that doesn't slow it down, I guess that slowed it down a little bit. But just think if you're Oklahoma, you threw for 545, ran for 309, and you still almost lost. I mean, that's 854 exactly, yards and you almost lost. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
But okay, here's look. the deal. Here's a number I've never seen before. 20 of 25 on third down, Texas Tech. 20 of 25. <laughs> 20 of 25. Good God. Dude, I'm looking at the scores right now. Jalen Hurts, 164 yards. All right? That's that's Bama's. Let me slide on down. Ohio State, JT Barrett, 245 yards. Okay. Wilton Spite with Michigan, 253 yards. So as I'm scrolling down, and as soon as I hit it, 734. What the? What? <laughs> I mean, seriously. It just make, it makes no sense. And, Bama don't and, hit that in five games. Yeah, it's like, no, uh-uh, no. And that's, that's why, to me, it would be – it would just be a travesty if any of those teams made it into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, because they get blown out. I mean, and yeah. like playing, it's all about up front. Up front, you got to have both a defensive line and an offensive line to to survive in a playoff game. We saw Oklahoma get trounced by Clemson last year, and we saw what happened with Michigan State against Bama. Yeah, Michigan State was real good on defense, but they couldn't score. You got to be good on both sides of the ball. To, to survive and beat Alabama or somebody or Clemson or somebody like that, and and Oklahoma has not tackled anybody all year long. They lost to Houston. Houston's a team that lost to Navy and SMU, and that's a team that beat you. Who else mm-hmm. is beating Oklahoma this year? Who else is lost? Oh, I'm looking at their stats right now. Top performers. Check this out. Passing. Patrick Mahomes the second. Fifty-two to eighty. Fifty-two of eighty-eight. Seven hundred thirty-four yards. Five touchdowns. Rushing, Joe Mixon, Oklahoma, 31 carries, 263 yards, two touchdowns. Receiving, uh, D.D. Westbrook, nine receptions, 202 yards, two touchdowns. Let's go back to Patrick. <laughs> Bro, 88. I'm looking at the rest of the 23, like I a school of this, uh, or Howard, 16 out of 23. You got 80, dog. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> In Utah, Mike Fall, whatever his name is, 40 out of 70, 464 yards, five touch, five touchdowns. Rushing, Joe Williams, Utah, 29 carries, 332 yards, four touchdowns. Receiving, UCLA, Nate Ais, I think is his name, eight receptions, 146 yards, two touchdowns. So he really messed up. They're going to kick him out because he only got 100. <laughs> nah, dog, you're supposed to be at least five. What's up? You underachieved it. That's how I feel when I look at this because I'm like, no, and I, it, I hate it. The Big 12 should not have any team, and most of the Pac-12 too should not have any team in the playoffs until they learn how to, until they learn what defense is and how to play it. The bigger issue is yeah. the fans not calling for these defensive coordinators' heads. Jonathan yep. and I. When Notre Dame was giving up over 30 points and when Florida State was giving up 30 points, we were both calling for our defensive coordinator's head. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stand poor defensive perf- – I can't stand seeing teams score over 30. I know. It, it uh. gives me headaches, especially when your team's putting up over 30 points and you're still losing. I'm like, we should be winning. Yep. I don't think any of them know who their defensive coordinators are. They're like, what's that? Oh, is that the – what's embarrassing. the handle? Yeah, it's like, what is the it, it D makes stand you for? Not wanna, it, makes you not, it makes you not want to be a coordinator at the Big 12. Like, it, it makes you – I wouldn't want a job being a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma because you'd never get noticed except bad. 
you're never going to be promoted anywhere because your defenses are giving up 50 points a game. I don't care how many and you that, win. And that's why it's, it's amazing. Clemson, D.C. came from Clemson. I uh, came from Oklahoma. It's am- Brent Venables came from Oklahoma. It's amazing that he was able to get that job considering the lack of defense. And it's funny because if you go back, remember, te- remember Oklahoma-Texas games that finished 13-6? to six? Like, yep. those were good games. I yep. Mean, what, in t- what is going on? I don't exactly. understand how in 10 years the Big 12 has gone, no, we're not going to do this no more. We're all going to be Texas Tech. Texas Tech wasn't winning when they were throwing the ball that much. Hawaii wasn't winning when they were throwing the ball that much. But all of a sudden, two conferences have decided, yeah, we're not going to play defense no more because, you know, the, the more points the offense scores, the more fun it is if people actually watch. But that ain't how it's going to happen, y'all. No, 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 no. That, is, that ain't how it's done. People actually exactly. want to see good defensive play. A full, complete game. And that's not a complete team. If you're so heavy on offense that your, your quarterback is throwing 700 and something yards, that is the most lopsided team ever. That means all your focus mm-hmm. is on your offense. And if so you look at the top-tier teams in the country, you don't see that. You see, right. you know, you see the polls, Alabama, Michigan, Clemson, Washington, Louisville, Ohio State, uh, A&M, Wisconsin, Florida State, Florida, Auburn, uh, but Oklahoma 16th. And it's like, I, there's no way there's a 16th best team in the country <laughs> after what right. I saw the other night. There's no way. No way. Exactly. That's, I'm just glad that I am not the only person that sees this because I'm like, okay, is this just me? <laughs> or is this just because me and Jason were just like, this is ridiculous. Well, it takes you 30 minutes, 30 minutes on college game day final to watch the highlights. You know it's, uh, it's a oh, bad yeah. game. It's so it's, sad because I'm so used to it. So when I see those scores, it's like, eh, it's just another week in those conferences. Like, it doesn't yep. even bother me seeing it anymore because I'm so used to seeing those scores. That's how sad it's gotten. It bothers me. It bothers me. It does. And, and really being an Auburn me. fan, we haven't had a defense in 10 years. And, and when we'd give yeah. up 30 something, it would make me feel terrible. Like, God, you give up 30 points, your defense sucks. And it really did. Right. But, you're out in the Pac-12. You're great if you give up 30. Oh, hey, man, 12. please. Yeah. You the IP, they might make you governor. Is <laughs> <laughs> like, what, you, you, what, you passed for 1,500 yards in one game? Oh, my God. Elect him. <laughs> like, y'all don't understand. No. High numbers. No, 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 sweetie. Just like with blood pressure. High numbers are not good. <laughs> Yeah, I like. I would rather see. I would rather Auburn win seventeen to ten than fifty-eight yeah. to forty-eight. You know, right. and, and I, I just, I just like the, I like defense, mm-hmm. and I do like offense, but I like controlled offense. I like exactly. You know, well, you like yeah, a well-rounded team, and the majority of the teams, yeah. like in, in the, the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, those are are balanced teams. But as soon as you get Pat West past that Mason Dixon line, when you pass Minnesota, you through. You ain't gonna see no defense, honey. We gonna talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, like Baylor, Baylor, for instance. I mean, they Jonathan's right. They have played defense this year, but the only problem is they haven't played anybody. They played. Uh, they held SMU to thirteen, Northwestern State to seven, Rice to ten, 
Oklahoma State to 24, Iowa State to 42, Kansas to 7. But, I mean, I'm, I'm still not sold on them because they gave up 42 to Iowa State. And they gave I was going to say, you know, you, all of that didn't matter except when you said Iowa State 42. Iowa State? Yeah. <laughs> Check out West Virginia stats before we hang up tonight. Hold on, let me go to West Virginia because they're they they they're supposed to be the class of the conference here. They they held Missouri to eleven. They held Youngstown State to twenty one. They held BYU to thirty two. They held Kansas State to sixteen. Texas Tech they held them to seventeen. So you got to give you take your hats off. They didn't give Wait, up seven hundred. Did 700. you say seventeen or seventy? <laughs> seventeen. And they held TCU okay. to ten. So West West Virginia. Is playing defense out there. I'd have to say, Jonathan, you're right. West Virginia is playing defense. The only one. Mahomes didn't play West Virginia game, though. No, he didn't. What happened to him? Was his arm hurt? (laughs) Uh, Actually, it was his shoulder. You know, you keep with these high pitch counts, his arm's going to get tired. You got to give him a, you know, you got to give pitchers a breather now and then. <laughs> That's why I love y'all, because y'all yeah. see the same things I do. I'm just like, bro. Hey, hey Tanya, Tanya, just... I'm gonna ask you honestly. How would how would Saban do if he was playing in the game like that and somebody threw for 700 yards on him? What do you think Saban would? He'd, be, he'd have a heart attack. Oh my God. Man, Saban would have left by the second quarter. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm out. The coach in the world, that mofo is not going to be like, oh, well, I think maybe we can. No, he's, man. <laughs> I think he might grow a couple of inches with all the hate that he's going to have in him. <laughs> all the anger, he might, oh, two extra points. There we go. <laughs> day somebody throws for that on Saban, the day he retires. Everybody knows it. Somebody does that, he's like, no, I'm done. No, no, no more. Not, not happening. Not cool. Cool. Yeah, going back to the NFL. See ya. Yeah, no, he's firing home. everybody on that staff. He's firing everybody on the staff and yanking scholarships, and he's going to take over play calling of all the defense and hand-picking <laughs> his own talent. <laughs> exactly. Um, man, that, just that just shows you. So, so if you're out there listening, go look at stats, and you'll see the Big Ten, the SEC, uh-huh. and the ACC. They, they do play defense, guys. That's one thing. They, they got the big boys up front. They know how to – Block. They know how to hit people. Now, if you want to go out and never have a concussion in your life, go play offense in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. <laughs> Take the pads, Bob. You don't need pads. You don't need pads. You don't need those. It's just four, five, seven on seven. Oh God, we had so much fun. <laughs> uh, thanks for thank y'all for calling in tonight. We're gonna. We're going to cut it here tonight, and I know Jason got to talk earlier, and uh, hold on, let's bring him on real quick. I just want to, he's a, he's a Big 12 or Pac-12 fan. Yeah, that's a, yeah. bring about, Jason on. What do you think? I want to hear you, Jason, talk about this Pac-12 and Big 12 not playing defense. What do you think about those high games? I know your Ducks gave up 70 the other night. Well, yeah, y'all right, but I just wanted to add to that Oklahoma Texas Tech seven one seven game. Um, Patrick Mahone <laughs> had thirty six incompletions. Okay, Bacon Mayfield 
had 36 attempts. <laughs> that oh, is, my God. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Wait, did you say did you say he had 31? 36. Wait, 36. 36 incompletions that Mahone had. Incomplete. Mayfield had a 36 attempts. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who won. <laughs> Jason, being, Jason, Jason, being a Pac-12 fan, how do you handle those high-scoring games like that? How do you watch those? Uh, well, hopefully the rest add 20 to your side. <laughs> it's, it's just awful. And that 10-5 game, geez, Louise, there wasn't football, it was a baseball game. They just Hitting <laughs> <laughs> the ball down until the bat, hoping somebody makes a play. <laughs> they play all the games. Uh, they play football, basketball, volleyball, badminton, no, no, soccer. The rules in the pack tough is if a lineman makes a tackle, the um the offense gets twenty more yards. Is it? Is it <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you get Brady Hogue as your defensive coordinator, Jason. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's another rule. If you're 300 pounds and a defensive lineman, you can't play. You're cut. So, yeah, that would be 280, 290. That's some funny stuff, know. man. <laughs> Yeah, if if you if you're if you're yeah, you gotta be one seventy or below to play receiver in the back row. You gotta be anorexic. <laughs> oh no. Oh hey, no. You gotta, you gotta be a... I might as well laugh at it. So. Wait, you know what DB stands for? I'm the pet. Let the wide receiver go by. <laughs> it doesn't stand for defensive <laughs> back. It's, it's not, don't beat. Imagine the Pac-12 having to tackle Derrick Henry last year every game. Have somebody coming at about 250. You guys still have nightmares of Ezekiel Elliott, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Marcus Mariota, he got to the NFL and was like, what is this hitting thing? I know he's going to get hit. <laughs> what is the so you mean I get hit? That, no what, wonder Achilles Smith and Joey Harrington quit. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is bullshit, man. You're not supposed to hit me like that. I'm sorry. Exactly. We didn't now do anything about it. Ryan, we had temper tantrums. And it's like that at least. <laughs> okay. We didn't do anything about it. Hold on. Roughing the quarterbacks, helping him up off the ground. To, to exactly. Up. Now, Julio. Nope, no, I'm not. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll oh, have a funny thing real quick. 
funny, funny thing, real quick before we leave. Last night, when they when the running back or the quarterback for Oklahoma came in and took a, as a backup quarterback took off and ran for three yards and he got tackled, they said that's the only hit of the game right there. Was that, <laughs> that end of the game? <laughs> oh, oh my god! I'm going to make a point now. I am going to go look at the defensive stats. For every team in the Big 12. You need to do that. You need to scroll to page four where it goes 100 through uh, exactly. 150. And that, that's where they'll all be right there. That's where they're all going to exactly, be. Exactly, bro. Man, my high school plays better defense than that. We ain't got linemen over 200. <laughs> and there's, and there's no D and O, Ogan. There's no oh, Dean Logan. <laughs> There's, dude, ain't none past the Mason Dixon line. I was from Oregon. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Jay, 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 Jason, Jason, Jason got excited watching Auburn play last night, that defense. He was like, holy shit, what is this? Uh, <laughs> like, killing what quarterbacks. Wait a minute. Turn on like, other conferences down? like the SEC and wonder what this is. What are they? Is this rugby? What is? What, what is this? <laughs> this is new. Is this like, no, watching that Auburn game last night, I'm like, tackle for loss. What's that? What's that? Is that a shoe? I've never seen a way that big. Oh, what's that? What's that? What's that ten over there? What's that ten over there? that has got the quarterback laying down in it. What is that? Oh <laughs> hell, he got knocked out. I'm sorry. Okay, one thing before we do, All I just right. have to ask one more question. In, in regards to the Ohio State game and that wonderful Miss P.I. call, okay, I have to look this up, but I could have sworn if the ball, or is this only in the NFL, if the ball is uncatchable, they don't call P.I. Because that ball hit him on the head. There was no way he was going to catch that ball, whether he was holding on to his jersey or not. It's so all these Ohio and they're like, we lost because of it. No, you lost because PSU beat you. That's why you lost. Well, your loss is Urban Meyer was an idiot and ran his kicker out there with uh, under 10 seconds on the play clock. You thought right. something good was going to happen with that? Come on. But, no, seriously, do you guys yeah, remember that? That's just a 45-yarder. No, do you guys I don't. Remember that? Is that just an NFL rule where it's un- if it's uncatchable, they don't well, call P.I.? If, if it's uncatchable. It's up to the discretion it's of the Because in the NFL, they've been yeah, calling them no matter what. They call them holding. It's all holding now. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, it's five yard or ten yard, ten yard penalty, mm-hmm. and but but some of these receivers can jump out of the building, and it, it can be catchable. You know, depends on if Ole Miss's receivers are out there, and it could be it could be Those catchable. Six foot seven but. green giants. Yeah, I was just trying to remember because I'm like, I I could have sworn, and, and like I said, I'm going to do the research, and, and next next show, I'll um I'll let uh, you guys know what happened or what I found. But I could have sworn, oh, my God, Matt Ryan just threw an interception. Sorry, I'm looking at the game because I'm talking to y'all. But, I saw that. <laughs> Matt I Ryan that. sucks. Did you see that, Tarvin? Yeah, I just saw that. Now 332 left. San Diego's got the ball. Yeah, and Phillip uh, Rivers, well, oh, my God, the most underrated elite quarterback ever. I picked him up two years win. ago um, as a backup quarterback. And, dude. <laughs> He came through. I was like, hold on, how have I been sleeping He's on Phil Rivers? <laughs> He's good in fantasy. He's good in fantasy. Well, guys, we're out of time. Thank you all for joining us. Have a good time tonight. We'll be back on 
Wednesday night to break down all the games upcoming weekend. So everybody have a great week. Take care. God bless. All right, thanks. And Hi, thank y'all. you for for all my laughs today, guys. This is a great show. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank y'all. <laughs> all right.